16 because God wants us to, to be prepared this year because he wants us to go and do great things in the future. So um, I'm looking forward to what God wants to do in your life. Just turn to someone and say, I'm looking forward to what God's going to do in your life. So today, it's actually part 15. And I've titled it, Growing in the Word. Did you hear this week, perhaps you heard this, I don't know, but I heard this this, uh, this week that the word of the year, I didn't even know they had a word of the year, but they, apparently they do. And the word for this year, the official word of the year is post-truth. I thought that's two words, but actually they've made it into one, it's just the word of the year, post-truth. So I thought that's interesting, but it means this, a political culture where debate is framed largely by appeals to emotion disconnected from the details where facts are ignored. And basically that means post-truth is about whatever you think is truth is truth. So somewhere in, the, in, in our culture today, truth has been handballed. It's, it's out the window. And so whatever you believe is true is, is the truth for you, not whether it is really true or not. So it's pretty, pretty strange, but just by the way, I've got a bit of a croaky voice I've had for a, a couple of weeks, so it's, uh, it's just something I'm working through. So um, I've decided to make my preaching shorter. <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah, as if that's going to happen. <clears throat> but anyway, this post-truth thing, it makes me wonder in the future how this will work in courts, when the truth is whatever you think it is. People could swear, I solemnly declare to tell the post-truth, the post-truth, and nothing but the post-truth, which means I'm not going to be truthful. You have the plumber come to your house and he'll tell you that the leaky pipe is fixed, but it's not because it's only post-truth fixed. The preacher would tell you that he isn't preaching too long, but he's only saying the post-truth. Truth is this. Truth is what really is so. But post-truth, what is really so? Well, come on, give me some encouragement here. This is really clever. Truth is what really, what is really so. Post-truth, what is really so? You get it now? It's all right. But post-truth means the truth is lost. That's what I'm trying to get at. This word post-truth means that truth gets lost in the process. Isaiah 5 verse 20 is a really important scripture. And it says this, woe to those. Woe means like when you're riding a horse, woe. It means stop. Ease up. Ever had anyone tell you that in a conversation? Eat up, buddy. Ease up, buddy. He's up, sunshine. Isaiah 5 verse 20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. See, today we live in a post-truth world. And the difference between good and evil is crossing, crossing each other and our values are being redefined in such a way that to hold on to biblical good judgment 
is interpreted by the world as uh, by the world system as evil. And so more and more we'll find that we thought we grew up in a society, if you're sort of my age, where we kind of had clear definitions of what was, what was right and wrong, what was good and evil. Well, see, today, now, if you stay, say things that was common in the 1970s, you would be thought to be evil today. You'd be interpreted as wrong because there has been a crossover in, in our culture across the world by lots of means that has caused people to make it confusing to know the difference between good and evil, between black and white. So today we live in this post-truth world. For, um, facing the post-truth, this reality means that society isn't going to applaud the righteous stand that you take. The society is not going to applaud the righteous stand that the church may take um, and will actually accuse you or accuse the church of evil. And, and that's happened, we see, throughout the world history. There's been times where men and women of God have been persecuted, tortured, put in jail, had property you know, taken from them, all sorts of things, all because they've stood up for the truth that they've has been revealed to them through the Word of God. And we need to be aware that, that Australia is not going to be exempt from this forever. But we need to be prepared in our spirits and to be growing in the Word of God to know what we actually do believe. So one of our core cultures as a church, at One Heart Church, is to be an impacting church. Um, that impact is about uh, dispelling darkness with light. So when... Laws are passed that legalize evil. All I can pray is that enough people know the word of God and that there is no demand for that thing, whatever it is. So, you know, we, we might not be able to hold back the, 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 the process of legislation in this country or in any country because there's, there's, there's often like an avalanche of, of, of uh, things that, that we thought, well, it seems common sense to, to our thinking that, that that's right or that's righteous. But the world says we're going to change that and we're going to make that the, the boundaries blurred or totally different. And so when we're living in that, I'd, li I'd like to think that they could pass any kind of legislation that we know isn't, isn't good according to God's purpose or plan. And, and I would like to say, well, there'd be pockets around the country where they say, you know what, there's, there's never been one person asking for that there. That, that, that whole community and that whole, that whole thing that we, we thought was so important that we, that we changed the law to, to ad adapt to, they're saying there's, no one's even wanted that. No one's asking for this. And I believe that it's time for the church of God to spread its wings, to have faith in God, to trust the Lord. doesn't matter you know, if you can be a Daniel in Babylon and rise to prominence and keep his faith through every situation, then I believe we, have, we can be men and women of God who can do the same today and bring a powerful influence into our world for good. John 1 verses 1 to 5 tells us this, in the, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. And the Word was God, He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness 
and the darkness has not overcome it. So the measure that defines good and evil is the word of God. And if you're confused about what all that scripture meant, it means Jesus Christ came, he was the word of God, he is the word of God, he was God and he, he became man and he, and he called himself Jesus and he came to show us quite brilliantly the difference between good and evil, between darkness and light. The measure that defines good and evil is the word of God. Jesus has given the word the true difference. Uh, being, uh, actually, Jesus being the word has given the world the true difference of good and evil. And it's found in Jesus Christ. And he confronted the, the darkness, the darkest darkness upon the cross and came through that victorious for you and I. See, in our heart there is a God-given conscience in the heart of every human being that has an instinct that identifies good or evil. You know, animals have a natural instinct. Some can build nests and some can, can you know, um, dig holes and all sorts of things. It's a natural instinct for animals to do certain things. And I believe that the instinct in every human is to know the difference between right and wrong. The Bible also talks about the, the people who have seared their conscience. So they've, they've turned that off. They've, they've, they've done um, uh, sort of things in, in their life and they've, they've discovered a way that they can turn off or disconnect emotionally from the Spirit of God. And we need to be people who are able to turn that switch back on in other people. We don't do that by condemning people. We don't do that by blasting people. But we do that by showing people a lifestyle of love and grace. And sometimes we think, but I keep losing in, when I'm doing that. But you know what? You, you, you'll never lose when you start to put God's word first in your life. So Romans 2 verse 14 and 15, it tells us, even Gentiles who do not have God's written law show that they know his law when they instinctively, what's that word? It's instinct, obey it, even without having heard it. So you can go to any, any culture around the world and, and they've never heard the gospel and uh, they'll, have, they'll have truths in their, in their culture, in their society, rules, that you think, well, well, they know the difference between right and wrong. They've never had the gospel as such preached to them. And it goes on and says, they demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them they are doing right. So people know it's an inbuilt capacity of every human being to know the difference between what's wrong and right. And you even know that yourself when you, when you cross the line sometimes and your conscience won't let you forget. But sometimes we can, we can, we can actually turn that off. We can turn to other people and say, well, it wasn't really that bad, was it? And so we look for approval from people to try and uh, cloud our judgment when it comes to things like this. <clears throat> so growing in the Word. We can make this all about study and working at it, and that's, that's a good thing to do, but it's not the whole sole purpose of understanding the Word of God and growing in the Word. Because I know we're very task-oriented animals or people, and we want to... We wanna, Say, well, God, I'm going to, I'm going to study, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, learn all this stuff. But sometimes in all that study and learning, we can actually throw out the most important elements. And I'm going to get to that right now. So we can make 
you know, we don't want to make it all about just study and working, but it's more about a relationship that we have growing with Jesus, who is the Word. And we've got to allow Jesus to come and infiltrate into our life in such a way where we're to grow thoroughly and completely and, and properly. We're saying, God, I can see that there's less of, of what I want, less of what I see, less of, of, of my agenda and more and more of yours in my life. So it's, it's a good idea for believers to know and understand the Word of God. That's a good idea. And to use it and apply it to life in relationship with Jesus and you. Because I'd love to make the, my, my relationship with God uh, and what God does in me more about what Pauline doesn't do. And we, we often do this. We, we think, well, uh, I, I'm growing in God. There's things God's doing in me. But I'm also more concerned about what God's doing in somebody else's life. And so we get the binoculars on them. And we say, oh, Jesus, thank you for giving me that word. Oh, I just wish Breeze had known that. So that. I told you, Breeze, I'm going to pick on you today. It's fantastic to have Breeze in church. She encouraged me. So we make it about everyone else. See, the, the, the main purpose of growing in the Word is developing something within you to make you the best you that you can be. And so we never get to that stage when, we're, when, we, when God's challenging and stirring, but we're thinking it's because it's for them. God challenges and stirs you to change you first. And I'm not saying that, we, that we're going to look at some things about how we go about um, bringing change and helping others, but sometimes we, we build things the wrong way and we think we're going to change the world, not by changing us first, by making everyone else change around us. So it's about making it about you and what God wants from you. And I think every one of us, we need to make a, maybe have a little pause right now and think, well, God, what do you want from me? God, what is it in me? Why did you save me? Here's some tough questions here right now that I hope we're going to springboard our church from today into the future. What is it, God, that you want from me? Because Jesus came and he said, I've come to build my church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. And we've, we've, we've allowed or grown a culture within churches, not just here but everywhere, that says, just come and be entertained. Gee, did we like the preaching? Gee, gee, the worship was good. Why do we turn the lights up and down? Oh, the seats are hard. All these sorts of things. But Jesus said, I've come to build my church and the gates of hell are not going to beat against a thing. The gates of hell can't beat it. They can have post this and post that and have all these kind of crazy things but the church of God is going to rise stronger and better and bigger than ever but that doesn't that doesn't rely on your pastor doesn't rely on your pastor's wife doesn't rely on how good the cooks are on Sunday night it relies upon the power of individuals saying God what's my place God what's my place in this so every single one of us needs to be challenged to the core of our existence and say, Jesus, I want to hear the words in heaven that says, well done, good and faithful servant. And, and you know, we don't need to blur the lines and have a post-truth in church where we say, well, my ministry is out there in the world and, and my ministry is in the business world and my ministry is you know, in, inside the church. No, it's everything. It's all about us. It's everywhere. 
So we do need to serve our neighbours. We do need to have a presence in the world. And we do need to have people who say, God, my ministry to the body is, looks like this or this. This isn't in the notes, so there you go. There blows my quick message going out the window. It's post-truth. <clears throat> John 8, verse 31 and 32. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching. What's faithful? That means doing something with what you've got. Faith is believing. Faithful is doing. So Jesus puts the two together here. Because sometimes we can, we can have post-truth Christian thinking where we think, well, you know what, we, we kind of have a, a mix, mixed up kind of ideas. But hopefully we can make it clear in our minds. And it goes on and says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Who's ever had, had scriptures used as, as sort of like against them? You know, that's not fun, is it? Hopefully we, we, we use the word in such a way that we apply it to ourselves and we, we use it very carefully when we minister with others. Now, I used to be a youth pastor. I just used to, just used to love whacking people with it. have guys come to come and to our youth group and i'm suspicious you're only here for the girls i do interviews i'd say mate if you're here for the girls i tell you i'm gonna i'm gonna bust your legs if you try anything funny around here <laughs> couldn't find a scripture to, to back it up but i'd do it <laughs> i wish there was no john 8 31 to Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples. Now, we've got to go from, from believing to discipleship. And discipleship means following, giving, giving up, pursuing after. And we don't want to be a church of just casual believers. We want to be a church of disciples who are pursuing after the call of God. Because sometimes sitting deep dormant within you is, is something that you think, well, I can't even see. I don't even know what God wants. But God put it there and he wants you to, to, to search for him and in that search you'll find the treasure and the truth of that treasure. So moving on, this is about walking the walk with Jesus. Jesus is truth. In context to keeping things growing in the word, we need to see, hear and touch Jesus in his word. Jesus will speak to you, he'll, he'll communicate to you, he will love you deeply when you start to see and touch and feel him in his word. See, our world is, is a distorted place already uh, and will continue to be. But while things are, can go crazy around us, the church, believers, disciples will have a perspective and a power and spiritual insight that causes us to see Jesus to experience Jesus, no matter what post-truth world we experience. The spirit, of the, uh, the spirit of the world won't encourage us in things like generosity. The spirit of the world won't encourage you on morality, because that'll all be, that'll all be you know, confused. Uh, won't, the spirit of, of the world won't encourage us on sexual purity. The spirit of the world won't encourage you on the value of a human life. The spirit of the world won't encourage you on compassion or love or forgiveness or any of these things. In fact, sometimes 
in church among believers, people can be discouraged from living up to the Word of God. Sometimes we, we don't value the same things that God values, even in the church. But I want to ask you to be the person who knows what God says and encourages yourself in the Word. That's number one. And be the person who knows what God says and encourages others in the Word. So we have a twofold thing. First, work on yourself and then help others. So make sure there's a, there's a thing I, I learned in first aid. It says when, when, you know, in the construction industry, we did safety training. And it says if there's been an accident, something's collapsed and you see there's someone hurt on the floor. It says, you know, check the surroundings first and make sure that you're safe. So if they've just been electrocuted and you just rush straight in and, and you, then you get electrocuted, then there's going to be two people who need help. Uh, and it's same spiritually. You need, to, you need to be working, letting God um, uh, work inside of you and also be aware of those around you and help lift them. Because the purpose is that we're not just going to be people who, who are islands to ourselves, cut off from everybody else, but we're being born again for a community which is the church of Jesus Christ. And that's something that Jesus gave his whole life for. We're not to be secret agents or lone rangers, but part of his body. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you are already doing. And I pray that we can continue to do that until Jesus comes again. So Jesus made a clear definition about himself and his purpose. In this era of post-truth, Jesus remains the truth with no shadow of doubt in him. So John 14, verse 6, um, this is the first part. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is not saying, well, you know, I'm not sure who I really am. He gives us clear and definite light as to who he is. Perhaps it will help people today to get an anchor point in life. Jesus is declaring, I'm the anchor point. And we need to, we need to perhaps discover an anchor point in life about wrong and right, about good and evil. And I believe that anchor point is Jesus. Post-truth is a lie. If you look at John 8, 44, we're not going to go down that track this morning, but maybe go home and just see what John 8, verse 44 says. But it tells you where lies come from, where mistruths come from. But Jesus speaks the truth because he is true. Bear in mind, people in every generation have faced deception and the deception of a clever lie. It's not a modern phenomena. It's, it's deceived people from right from the very first human beings were deceived by a clever lie. And the same thing will, will uh, come and sneak into our lives and sneak into our thinking, sneak into our world. And if we're not aware of this, we'll leave, we'll, we'll leave this world with a bag full of clever lies and miss our salvation. We don't want to be that, pe that kind of people. So life without the truth look like Romans 1 verses 28 to 32. Not good English, but it's okay. Romans 1 verses 28 to 32 says this. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, 
envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. If you're wondering what's wrong and what's right, if you get to know your word, if you get to know the Bible about what it says, here's just only one, one little example of the, the difference between darkness and light, between good and evil. My last scripture today, life with the truth, look like Romans 16 verse 19. It says, everyone has heard about your obedience. Wouldn't that be good to have that reputation in our church, have that reputation about you, that everyone has heard about your obedience to the word of God. So I rejoice because of you. And I'll tell you what, that's the, that's the best compliment the pastor can have is to say, I'm so happy with the people in my church because I know they're obeying the word of God. I know that we're not dealing with, with issues all the time of sin and, and, and all these things that we saw in Romans 1 verses 28 and 32. They're, they're not insolent, they're not proud, they're not boastful, they're, they're not greedy, they're not hating others, there's no envy and murder, no, hopefully there's no murder, there's no quarreling and deception, all these things, they're not backstabbers. Um, all, all those things that we, we've seen in there. But I want you to be wise, getting back to Romans 16, 19, but I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. So the Apostle Paul is, is instructing us today. He wasn't writing this letter just to the Romans. The thing I love about the books of, that Paul wrote is it's like he's writing to us right now today. It's so relevant and so powerful so these things that Paul wrote about aren't unique to our modern day era. It's way back all the way through human history. We've struggled with the, the root cause of division between us and God and that's the condition of our sin. The condition of a hard heart that says I can do life without God. And mankind have invented ways to cut God out. Whether that's through idols, whether that's through, through other things to worship, whether that's through science, Anything that we use or allow to cut God out of our life separates us from the best that God has. So why don't you just close your eyes with me this morning. And I know the Holy Spirit wants to minister to people today and, and create something new and something fresh. He wants to bring us into a, a new place a new place of authority for some people because God wants to build a great church. He wants you to be part of it because there's only things that you can do that without you the church will never do. We need to realize that and understand that and say, God, I want to shake off every encumbrance. I want to shake off every limitation because I want to be the person who can run with power and might and grace and everything else that God has for you. So there's someone here today and you're crying out to God for a true experience of Him. I don't know who you are, but I know specifically that there's somebody here and you're thinking, God, maybe you've had a lot of experience in church. Maybe you only knew. I'm not really sure. But you're thinking, God, I just need a, a true touch from you. I need a new reality. 
I need to have that heart, heart open again to know and feel your truth. Jesus wants to meet with you today. Maybe this whole message is just for you today, but God wants to take you and launch you into a new experience of his goodness for your life. Perhaps you're a believer with a, uh, with a level of confusion about lots of things in life. You need to ask God for a truth encounter. And I don't believe it's that difficult in every issue that faces the church today. Every issue that faces believers today, it's the, the answers aren't too difficult if we know and understand His Word and are able to apply His Word into those situations. And the third thing, some here today, you really desire, desiring God, help me to shine the light to this world, to be bearers of the Word of God, shining into the darkness, to be agents of God's glory. Because Jesus will shine out from you and you'll be seen as bearers of light and truth. So I want us to stand, if we can, this morning. <clears throat> and the Holy Spirit wants to have an encounter with us today. We've got plenty of time this morning to pray for people to be ministered to. We also happen to have all the ministry team, almost all of us in here this morning, ready to help and pray with you. But I'm going to ask people as we sing this song to come down and meet with us. It's Pastor Pauline and Pastor Kylie and Pastor Michael and myself. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to minister the love and truth of Jesus Christ. Because as time goes on, I sense and believe that post-truth is going to be something that the church is going to face. Because people will be saying that we can't rely upon the Word of God anymore. I was watching an early morning program, one of these breakfast programs one day, they're talking about a particular subject that I'm not even going to mention, but the commentator, the person doing the, the, the presentation said he would really love to enter this debate afresh without the interference of the church without the interference of the church with with its foundation in the bible and what really got under my skin was he said i'm glad that we're we're going to be able to enter into some intelligent debate without religious interference or without christian interference you know what that's that offends me but in a good way because i say hey legislate that Go ahead, do it. Because I hope in 10 years we have such a move of God. Because where darkness, where darkness lies, then God's light. Oh, what's that scripture? I can't think of it right now. But Romans 1, somewhere Pauline says, whatever. But, but I just pray, come on, bring it on, devil. Legislate. Put me in jail. Ban our Bibles. But I know the Holy Spirit is unstoppable. I know the church is unstoppable. There's countries around the world where it is totally illegal to meet and worship God, totally illegal to read the Bible or own a Bible. Why is the, why is the devil so scared? Because there is power in it. 
And he wants the whole people bound. And in those countries where that is the case, the church grows faster than ever. The church gets stronger than ever. And we, need, we, we think, wow, we're a strong church because we, we're free, we can worship. People in other countries look at us and say, man, how do you grow without persecution? The greatest method of church growth is for the church to be persecuted. So I say, legislators, bring it on. Because the church is going to get stronger, it's going to get better, and God's going to use you. But I want to pray for you today that you have a foundation in the Word of God. Not a foundation in your mates who go to church. Not a foundation is because you like the music. Not a foundation is because, well, my sister dragged me along. Whatever the foundations are we have, we've got to say, Jesus, I want to be part of the victorious church, the powerful church. And we're going to move beyond. This is where, as we respond today, I want many people to respond today because we're going to be moving into a new place. And not, I talk a lot about serving, but somehow it's like, it's not, not landing. But I really believe that every single one of us, if this is going to be real, come to the front for your altar calls, by all means. Let God do some touching in your life. But when you leave, you say, Jesus, what do I do? What do I do? How do I serve? And get past the post-truth. 